hello 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 everyone oh my gosh we are at the ninth episode of mental matters and as usual you have me as a co-host kimberly from psyche and my other co-host is tux fm dj copano the beautiful the awesome Uh, <laughs> I'm going to miss these intros by Kim. Like, <laughs> now that I remember that this ends soon, like, it's like my hype woman on a Monday when things are a bit shaky. But anyway, uh, welcome back to Mental Masters, guys. On whatever platform you are watching or listening to us on. Um, as Kim said, we're on the next episode. So it means we are needing the end but of course all good things have to eventually come to an end so um really hope that you guys have been learning as much as we have been we are we have quite a special one today um we are joined by someone who is known on campus uh or even if you don't know him specifically you do know the body that he works under or he operates under which is very crucial to just the development of all students all around um so yeah can we introduce our guest Without further ado, the awesome, the magnetic, the charismatic, and the forever leader, my student leader, um, Mr. David Kabwa, our SRC president. Welcome to Mental Matters. I appreciate it. Very uh, grateful to be here. I think we're going to have a critically important discussion. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining um, us, Please, David. for those who don't know you, please introduce yourself and also... Um, I think this is what we do. We do this every week with every single guest. Let me just ask them how they are. Um, how have they been coping with all the changes that have been happening around them and how they just are mentally and emotionally? I appreciate that. Uh, right. So my name is David Kapwa. I'm a, an honor student in international relations at the University of Victoria uh, Department of Political Sciences. Um, as you're aware, I serve within the SRC. Um, the way that I've been currently is uh, in a space where I am amongst the busiest I've ever been. Um, on an average day, there are 11 uh, or um, four or 500 emails, 200 text messages, DMs on uh, different platforms. So uh, we've been keeping very busy. Um, I've been doing okay, and the reason why I'm doing okay is because I'm grateful to see progress. I like to say a step is a step in the right direction, so long as it is a step taken forward. And I think uh, the crux of this discussion will be how we, as a student body, can assist each other to take steps forward while prioritizing our mental health. So I am happy, I am content, I am very busy, but I am also very blessed. And above all else, I'm grateful to be here once again. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Just on that note, before we move on to, you know, how we, we help each other and how we, we go forward, you know, maybe you can just share with us as the SRC and, and specifically in your capacity, what have you found to be some mental health related issues that have become more prominent during this time? Right. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I lost a bit of the audio there, but uh, hopefully I can pick up. Um, right, so just to touch on what has been ongoing uh, through the lockdown, there have been a number of interventions that have been put in place um, for years and years and years. One of the biggest complaints that we have had as students is that we do not have enough health professionals who are available to assist us during time. 
Um, on this platform, I'd like to encourage students to continually come forward and engage with uh, the student counseling unit because there are now more psychologists that have been delegated the duty of assisting students. This was made possible through a grant uh, given by the Dell Foundation and uh, the fees received uh, during that uh, grant um, has been channeled into ensuring that there is a greater support mechanism. To extend uh, beyond this scope, um, what I have noticed under the lockdown is the different manifestations of mental health issues that we all face as students. For some of us, it's confinement, being in that little space uh, continually without a full escape and without a release we can use to calm ourselves down. Some of us, it's academic stress. Some of us, it is simply the environment. Many of us are in an environment that is not conducive. I remember um, another student came forward and said, well, I decided to go under lockdown. And that was one of the biggest mistakes I've made because he's completely changed. Um, for many others, it is a situation where um, we are now realizing that um, the absence sense of being able to interact with people regularly really does take a toll mentally. To this end, um, one thing we've realized as well is that uh, the office within the university that deals with instances of sexual harassment um, and uh, instances of GBV, this is the transformation office, has also been overcapacitated for quite a long time. Um, the office currently has two staff members working in it. And again, it was a similar conversation to that of um, student counseling, where the call has been to ensure that we have more professionals available to assist. Um, as you're aware, uh, such appointments, you need to go through a long process uh, complying with employment equity. Um, but after that long process, we now have a new director of transformation at the university. And as she's going to be taking up these duties, this allows those under her to have more time to be dedicated, assist with GBV issues, assist with matters of sexual harassment. So I continue to encourage all of us as students to speak out where things are wrong, where things are not right, and we are not doing okay. Speak out, reach out to the student counseling service, reach out to the Office of Transformation. As many students have, I encourage you to reach out to me or reach out to a friend. If I cannot help you, I can definitely connect you with a person who can. And unlike before, we are better capacitated. Now, I want to touch very quickly, and I am mindful of time, so when I start to elapse, uh, please just give me an indication. But I want to touch on specifically what is to come, and that is the move towards level one. Now, the way in which the time frame works is the president makes an announcement. Two weeks are allowed for each uh, department. Um, to fill in the gaps that the president might have left out. Within this two-week time frame, we as university students expect to hear from the Minister of Higher Education and Training. Um, once that announcement is made, any uh, amendments uh, to the process are communicated to universities, and then the phasing in continues. This means that we're moving to a level where we will have more students who are faced into the institution. Exactly what that will look like, we'll need a bit more time uh, to get those guidelines. But even in the midst of that, um, moving itself may be difficult. Having to change in the process of acclimation, the differences in the way that we receive uh, our academics, the classroom practices, the online learning, the exams, the fear of uh, being un 
uncertain as to whether or not taking a physical exam. All of these cause anxiety. And anxiety is one of the biggest contributing factors to very many mental health issues. Um, so to deal with that, I encourage continue to come forward. You might find that you were very stressed because you simply did not know. It's as simple as sending an email, making a phone call. We'll do our best to assist you. Now, touching very, very quickly on the phasing in of students, can confirm that the majority approach will be that we will continue with examinations online. There will be certain exceptions uh, pertaining to practical examinations and uh, very specific uh, degree program. And at this point, it is a continual engagement and the engagement will be finalized um, after we hear back from the minister as well as final word uh, from the executive of the university. Um, so in summary, this is available. Many of us as student leaders have been trained on how to be peer counselors. There are also peer-to-peer -peer counseling groups that have been established by SEDEC so that us as students can support one another. You not always have access to someone at all the time, but we all have a friend and you might know a student leader. One thing you'll learn about me is I'm the guy who will pick up the phone when you call at minute. So don't be afraid to call. Thanks so much. Um, you just touched on uh, student leaders. Now, as previously have been one myself, um, I, I do understand that there are structures that maybe some people don't necessarily know about and you sort of did touch on your support group so forth. Um, some people that are in residences may not know that their vice their vice chair um, has been trained, you know, to be a peer counselor and they have been, you know, qualified in that sense. Are there any, you know, other sort of groups or channels that we may not students uh, that we, also even student leaders, I think people forget that student leaders are also humans <laughs> and they also go through quite a lot. Um, so are there any other channels maybe that we might not know of as students that we can, um, you know, contact should we be in need of any help? I appreciate that greatly. Yes, indeed, there are very many channels available. Uh, one of them, as you have mentioned, is the peer-to-peer -peer counseling system. Um, as you have touched as well, you vice chairpersons in most residences um, do have uh, formal training in relation to how to deal with these matters. Um, many committees also have a well-being portfolio, and that's a student leader you can turn to also. To expand beyond that, there are also focus-specific mechanisms. Um, for example, if you have encountered an instance of uh, GBV and that's causing you stress, you can reach out to speak out. These volunteers have been trained on how to engage us as students. The same can be said for the Just Leaders program um, for uh, any and all um, students who are experiencing uh, social difficulty. But to increase the scope, what you were saying it is true even student leaders are students student leaders also deal with quite a lot of stress um, i'll give an example during cooling off period and for those that don't know cooling off period is the time frame right before examinations where basically everything in terms of student life freezes so that students can focus on their examinations every student leader is off duty during the cooling off period that includes the src um, so during this time frame, you'll find that for many of us as students, we go through a great level of difficulty. Um, and within the SRC also, I have noticed that kind of stress of having an obligation to duty, but also ensuring that you take care of your mental health. 
Um, it is a priority that I always stress. Um, and wherever you can reach out for help, you should do so. So in terms of the contact areas, I would suggest um, look at the structure you work within. If you are in a resident structure, reach out to your house committee, specifically the well-being portfolio or the vice uh, chairperson. If you are not and you have any kind of specific queries, reach out to your faculty house or reach out to the SRC. That student leader may not be able to assist you directly, but they can definitely direct you towards another means. If you are a student leader and you are experiencing any kind of difficulty, I encourage you once again, reach out to me, reach out to anyone within the SRC, reach out to a mentor, reach out to a lecturer, to someone, and we can ensure that you get assistance. So say now, like, let me take it one step further. Say now I am a student at Tux. I am at home. I'm not part of any organization. I don't know of any society. I kind of know about the SRC, but um, in my faculty, no one really talks about things, um, you know, as vocally as maybe other faculties. And, and I mean, being the generation of apps and quick fixes, what would you recommend is the the one place that you know what if you at least go here if you at least contact this person they should be able to help you or else they'll be able to direct you towards someone who can help you definitely on the point of mental health i cannot stress this enough the first point of call is student counseling services um, reaching out uh, with a variety of issues either you will be assisted directly or you will be redirected. Um, just about every day I have students with different queries that reach out to student counseling services. And if these issues do not deal specifically with mental health, it's normally referred to my office and we're able to take the matter from there. So I'd say reach out um, either to the SRC or reach out to student counseling services. What is most important is that you do reach out. Um, so I just, I think from my side, pretty much the last question, um, we there's often like a you know I recently spoke to Prof Coupe and we you know we were talking about how he has to care of himself but also those below him and then they have to take you know care of those below him and so forth and so forth. Um, but just to sort of understand the processes that go into um, you know for example what you guys have now just achieved with the Dell and be able to counselors and stuff like that. What is the, the process? How much, and this is sort of like a bit of a divergence, but just so that you know, people can understand um, what goes into the process of actually trying to acquire you know, resources that can help with our mental health that you guys have to sort of go through in order to get sponsorships, to allow executive to you know, implement the, the ideas that you guys might have. That's a really good question and I'm grateful for it. It is a very long and it is a strenuous uh, process. So the first step of the process has to do with ethics. When you're dealing with mental health issues, it is not just anyone who can address these issues or just any um, person who is able to do these matters directly. So the first step is ensuring that whatever sphere you're operating in has ethical approval. So for example, um, if you have a group of students that are going to be peer counselors, what training has been afforded to those students? Do they give ethical clearance? Are the students who are going to be engaging with these students um, aware of uh, what their rights are, what their roles are, what is appropriate, what is appropriate? That very first step 
uh, is very much the guiding principle. That is why there is a very rigorous screening process, even within student leadership, to ensure that whomever has been uh, delegated can deal with the duty. A blazer is not a passport to do anything you want. Um, you need to ensure that you are adequately trained and you understand the ethical parameters in which you operate. Secondly, I want to touch on uh, the legislative aspect. For example, it is very easy to say, simply hire more people. However, I've sat in very many meetings where the question then becomes, and these questions normally come from the labor unions, because again, they need to ensure that the various staff members that we have are also taken care of. Our staff, our lecturers, our academic staff, our support staff, they also have very many issues that speak to mental health. So, so labor unions will normally ask, all right, what are the processes that have been applied to follow BEE? What's their employment equity consideration? Has the post been adequately advertised? Have people of color been given consideration? Is the person for this job the most qualified? And you, you can imagine if you answer no for any one of these questions, legally, you have to start the whole process again. And that takes months just to do it the first time. Um, so again, this is another constraint in relation to being the adequate uh, people. Thirdly, is the financial aspect. Um, we are in a space where very few people are willing to assist others for free. Therefore, the question then becomes, if you need additional services, who is going to pay for that particular service? Which is why for years and years and years, we've come so close in so many aspects. And when it came time to flip the bill, there were no finances. And it becomes a difficult question. Do you praise student hunger? Do you prioritize mental health? Where do you allocate your budget? And those are the very key questions that uh, we need to consider one of the difficulties. The fourth thing, and the final thing in particular, uh, to securing uh, additional mechanisms of support is what is referred to as the Papier Act. And for those who do not know, it's basically a law in South Africa that speaks to private information, which basically says your private information cannot be shared or discussed without your permission. So for example, by virtue of an individual being a staff member at an institution, then this is covered in the contract that you sign when you come into the university. If you bring in an external person, they are not covered by contract, meaning legally, unless they form part and partial of the university environment, they cannot access your information at all. And this creates a wide variety of issues. Either we will contact you directly and get your permission, and get your signature, and, 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 or we have to find a way to assimilate them in the system. And it's difficult to assimilate someone without hiring that person, which goes back to the employee that we spoke about. So basically, these four issues are the greatest challenges towards ensuring that we can get additional uh, support. Um, but it's work that we're happy to do because the greatest stakeholder in the university is the students. So we need to keep pushing, get it right. And we are one step closer every single day. Oh my goodness, I didn't think I could um, grow in my respect for what you guys do any more than I already had. But everything you've just said, and I know it was very brief snippets um, of the of the overall process, has just completely confuddled my mind and I am so so grateful and I know I speak for 
the students, um, the student population in general, um, we are so grateful for the work that you guys are doing and for what you've done towards, you know, ensuring student success and ensuring student well-being um, throughout this process and throughout your term. Um, I think my final question is, I just want to bring it home a little bit. And, you know, we have this rare opportunity to speak face to face with you. So I kind of just want to touch base with you as um, Gopano had um, in the introduction. So right now, in terms of where you're at and all of these challenges that you guys are facing, what do you think? And, and, and also, we've been given the announcements that your guys' term, your team's term is coming to an end now. What would you like to leave behind in terms of mental health as a legacy um, with your term? What is something that you really, you really are passionate towards and you think is important and you'd like to make sure that is, it's instilled going forward? And also, just to add on to Kim's question, um, going into exam. Um, is anything specifically you know you'd like to say to students um, in terms of you know keeping up their well-being I know Prof Cooper is always telling us exercise take a walk um, but maybe share a tip or two that you use you know if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed um, mentally so that you know we sort of go into the exam season prepped and ready to get into it and fight. <laughs> I appreciate that and I think these are both excellent questions. Um, what I would do behind is a culture of early intervention. The biggest regret that we always have is, well, I wish I had started earlier. I wish I had picked this up earlier. I wish I had spoken to someone earlier, or I wish I knew more earlier. In my plan of action for 2020, one of the things I have listed very concisely there was that it's important to have early uh, intervention programs. Um, uh, you have seen that uh, in the current global dynamic very many things have uh, shifted but a lot of those plans for example this very podcast that i am in right now and was initiated by psyche in the very early stages of lockdown i was sitting at home in the popo when we were discussing this and we are still fruition here today so i'd like to see every student structure not only speaking about mental health when it is convenient as we get to September and October, but it being a reoccurring and ongoing discussion. I think that is the only way that we can break the stigma. And that is what I would like to leave behind. In relation to uh, the coming exam period, um, I will say the following. Uh, what has helped for, for me is uh, continuation with my uh, lecturers, and if not my lecturers, with my classmates. Um, this is because we have too much work and we have too little time. And that is regardless of whether you are an English major in the humanities or if you're an accounting faculty. None of us have any time. Um, if I were to tell you you have three days to prepare for an exam, the first question would probably be, why do I have so little time? If I had three days back in high school, I could study for all my exams. Now, it's important to do this because it saves us time. You will find that um, if you have touched on the work and you approach a lecturer, then in many instances, they're able to break the work down and condense it a lot more. And for some of our lecturers that are a bit more on the difficult side, approach them, but also approach your tutors, approach your class representatives, and approach your fellow classmates. Um, be careful of who you approach, though, because uh, not all uh, know the same. And so that distinction kid in the class, let that person be your first go-to. Whatever you have, feel free to share. And we need to break this uh, culture where we feel that 
my nodes are only my nodes. Uh, you go and you fend for yourself. It is only together that you're going to get past this. Uh, so again, consult as widely as possible. That shrinks down the workload and you realize you know a lot of thought you that's a way forward. All right. Thank you so much, um, Mr. President. We really do appreciate it. We know that your term is coming to an end. Um, I don't think you're planning on running for a third term. <laughs> you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if you did because, yeah, yeah, you guys. But your, 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 your team has done an incredible job. I do understand that, especially in the time um, to have an SRC that is still communicating. I think I was just telling Prof Kupe this, um, that if you look across the board, we have quite an executive and an SRC that really communicate really well, um, that use all the channels from radio to PDBY to your house committees. Um, there's a, you know, a central message where we all know what's going on. And if you don't, you soon will. Um, so I think that's been very comforting for the student body at large. Um, so for the work that you guys do, uh, thank you so much for just always being patient, for answering all our messages and calls and all of these things. Um, and to also your, your, your team uh, for, you know, keeping headstrong. I know this was not an easy time, but you guys really amazing job. So we really are appreciative as a student body. Appreciate the appreciation. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Okay, guys. So right. that was our ninth episode of Metal Matters. Kapana, please cry with me. <laughs> I cannot. You're um, crying. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Uh, okay, guys. So we will see you for the final right. episode of Mental Matters, where we have such beautiful gems and treats in store for you. But until then, thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you again, Mr. President, for joining us. And as usual, to the amazing Kapano. And yeah, that is it for me. Have a great one. <laughs> Enjoy your week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.